Welcome to Finance for Physicians, a show where we empower physicians like you to practice medicine the way you always dreamed you would. This podcast features doctors, physicians, and experts that share one main thing in common. We believe having control of our finances leads to having control of our lives. In a world where doctors' lives are often dictated by our needs to maximize income, pay back massive student loans, and buy homes, many of us give up reaching those goals. But it doesn't have to be this way. you are ready to learn how financial wellness creates happier doctors and patients, then I'm your guy. I'm your host and financial expert, Daniel Wren. Let's get started. What's up, guys? I am looking forward to our conversation today. This is a really important topic to me, and I have brought my buddy, Pablo. Pablo, say hello. Hello, physician friend that's listening to us right now. Yeah, Pablo is is my good buddy and also, a very good sounding board. We're going to talk about a really important topic that has been on my mind. It's kind of like a theme that has been emerging from my conversations with different physicians and influencers in this space. And I think it's it's really an important topic, and it and it kind of revolves around some of these challenges that I'm seeing. And I think it really can be a great solution to help you guys listening through some of these challenges. So I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of talking through this with you guys and sharing what I've learned and hopefully turning it into something that can add value for you guys and, and, and your friends and, and even, you know, other people in the form of speaking engagements and that sort of thing. So Pablo, you want to jump into this? I'm dying to jump into this, Daniel, man. I'm, I've always, from the moment that you and I started talking business, I've been really impressed with your level of insight gathering. I think we were just talking about this in another context, right? Like you're, you're really good at, at, at gathering insights and specifically the idea that you work with so many physicians and you have this platform and you, all your, you know, your whole social circle and so many, such a large percentage of your interactions are with, are with physicians. And I've been seeing you grow this opinion, this point of view about what's hurting them out there and 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 what's wrong with with what's going on and how you can really help them i'm really pumped to bring this forth and i i think we just kind of cut to the chase here man what is the what's the state of order right now in medicine that you've been kind of railing to me about so far ever since we started talking about this stuff yeah as a physician it's it's such a challenging position to be in because you train for so long and develop this skill set and become an expert and have all these skills and this knowledge and this expertise. And then you go into this system of medicine and it's really, it kind of like takes a lot out of you and it's not all you expected. And it almost becomes like, you know, a dread to go to work doing it. And it's weird because it's doing something that you love and you have this expertise and, 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 and you've spent so much time in it. It's like you're getting burned out of this thing that you love in this system that is just really squeezing you. So it's a, it's an interesting challenge because it's like you're doing something you love and you're following your skill set and yet you're getting fried. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's when you first started talking to me about this, it sounded the first word that comes to my mind is tragic, right? Like this idea that they've invested so much of so much of their life into into acquiring this skill set into this love for others. What do you, what do you think is the problem? Like do you, is it is it just is it the work itself? Is it the is it the hour? Like what's the, what's the problem do you think that's driving this level of burnout and this level of dread that you're seeing? Yeah. Well, first of all, it is not the physicians. I don't think physicians are the problem. I think you guys are the solution. I think the problem is the healthcare system. The healthcare system is a train wreck. It's It's got, there's so many conflicts of interest. And when I say the healthcare system, like the hospital systems, the insurance companies, the way that it all works, <clears throat> the bureaucracy, it just kind of like squeezes all the control out of physicians to the point where they're kind of like a cog in the wheel. They're like a high paid cog in the wheel. And <clears throat> that is just draining to be working in a system that gives you no autonomy to do something you know in your heart is like the right thing to do to not be able to do that is just like mind numbing. It like makes you just a crazy person. I mean, I, I think of that. Imagine that, like imagine doing something that you you know is the right thing to do for the patient and this system like doesn't allow you to do it. Yeah. Autonomy, man. Autonomy is one of these things. It's almost like our country is based on it, right? Like we're, we're in the United States, we are the, the, the standard bearers of freedom and physicians are some of our smartest, most talented, most dedicated, most like serving people. Mm -hmm. And this, and this idea that they feel trapped into being told what to do just immediately kind of like makes, you know, makes my kind of hair stand up on the back of my neck. Yep. What I know, I know for me that what that would do for me, what do you, what is that? We've talked a lot about burnout, right? But what do you, what do you think are the consequences of this like lack of autonomy? What is this, how does this being manifested in, in their lives and, and in our, in our healthcare system? Yeah, I think it results in, of course, burnout, but poor, you know, your mental health, it hurts your mental health, it hurts your confidence. It, it really, in a lot of ways, like, it causes this cognitive dissonance. Like, it's like, you're working in a thing you don't love, it kind of doesn't make sense. But yet you're, ha you're, you have to do it to kind of make a living. So that's, that messes with your mind when you have to, when you're, you're doing something, you know, you shouldn't be doing. And that's a challenge. I think, what the ultimate consequence consequence of this is is it drives it's driving physicians into alternative really they want relief from it and so the what we're seeing most commonly is that it's driving them to things like fire financial independence retire early like work as hard as they can to get out as fast as they can or side gigs or passive income you know basically as relief to kind of get away. What's the problem with that? What's the problem with them pursuing this like retire early or pursuing side gigs and stuff like that? The problem is that it's, you know, without realizing it, it's, it's pushing you more, especially like all of these really, but fire, fire is such a good example. It's like the classic way to do fire is to work really hard, like push it extra hard in your profession to earn as much as possible and live at as modest a means as possible to retire as fast as possible. But what happens is 
you're working more in the thing that you hate uh, and it's draining you. So it's like amplifying this whole, you know, problem of the healthcare system, like sucking everything out of you. Same sort of thing with the other side gigs and, and then passive income. You're spreading yourself thin. You're working more. It's pulling you away from, you know, really being able to do the things that are most important. I think that's, that's also important to point out when it's rare that I hear physicians say that like that their work is their most important thing in life. You know, usually it's important, but like a lot of times people will say something like family. And so the more you do things like this, it's going to pull you away from those things like family or traveling or, and that's kind of the, you know, that's the things that you use to recharge your batteries. You got to have, have that time away. Man, I hadn't even thought about that, right? Like I, th- I thought, you know, me as as a quasi workaholic, I was just thinking about this idea that like I wouldn't want to not love my work, but this idea that these other solutions, right? Like these other the the presumed solutions for having more control and 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 being able to to call your own shots is actually not just taking you away from the work that you love but taking you away from the actual whys, right? Like the actual priorities by taking a on de- you know, a super demanding schedule and then adding more hours beyond that mm-hmm. schedule that pulls you away from the nourishing things. And it's not perfect. solving the problem. It's, it's, it's the, the problem's still there. Like the problem is the healthcare system doesn't give you any autonomy. Like that's a big problem, for example. And Can you give me an example of that? Insurance companies directing care isn't is one example that is like scary by the way but it's happening and that's like take you know basically control getting taken away from physicians or hospitals demanding to see more patients squeezing the time there so it's basically limiting the amount of interaction you can have with the patient to the point where you basically have no options or 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 there's problems you have with EMR and you bring them up and it's like not listening there. It's like you're powerless to make changes or do healthcare the way you know, you need to do it. Yeah, man. As, as I literally just left my doctor's office before, before this <laughs> and, and I, you know, like it's as a patient, right. It, it was really hard for us to find a doctor that would spend 40 minutes going over numbers and results and oh, looking yeah. at real th- things with me. And I think about what you're saying and it's terrifying, right? Like it's terrifying as a, as the consumer of of the service, this idea that, you know, you're treated like a, like a restaurant table that needs to turn or a a car shop. That's just like, no, you got to move the units, right? Like you gotta, you, you gotta spend less time with a patient that makes me feel like I'm getting less care, probably feels bad on, you know, what you're expressing. It feels bad on the physician themselves that they're not providing their best level of service. It sounds like a dangerous situation for everybody involved. Yeah. I mean, that's not good for health. That's, it's not good for the patient for sure. And it, the, the physicians know it. I mean, you, 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 we hear people share stories, you know, of interactions where it's like, that's it's, we're questioning, they're questioning whether it was the best interest of the patient in some cases is for sure not in their best interest. And it's because there had, you know, the control is now kind of in the hands of the big system of healthcare. Like 
the insurance yeah. companies and, and yeah. hospital systems and the executives that have no idea how the healthcare works, like telling you what to do. Like that's, that's my, that's like extremely frustrating when a healthcare executive comes up to you and they have no medical training and they're like, you need to do your blah, blah, blah this way. It's like, no, <laughs> I've trained for years and years and ha and I like blood, sweat and tears and put poured into it. And you're telling me I need to do it this way. Like, and you have no idea what you're talking about. And it's all about the money. Yeah, that's rough. I have to imagine that while this is a very interesting thing for me, I have to imagine that our, our physician friend that's listening to us is either like, duh, I know this, or we're giving them like extreme anxiety talking about yes. this, but, but oh, sorry. But, yeah. But what they, but what they came for, right? Like, I think, I think the, the purpose of this thing is that you think that there's a better way. Right. Like this yeah. is what you've been kind of sharing with me that I've been encouraging you to like put it out there. What do you what do you think is in in your, you know, your sample size? Right. Like, what do you see? Is is everybody miserable? Are there people that are happy? Right. Like is what what are you what are you getting breadcrumbs into? Yeah, there. Yes, there is a better way. There are people that are happy. And I think really entrepreneurship is, in my mind, the best solution to all of this. And entrepreneurship, if we explore, if we kind of take a step back and say like, what is entrepreneurship? Really entrepreneurship is you're helping to like solve problems. I mean, that's like really what the purpose of it is, is you're creating new things that solve problems in the world. And so our, my interactions with people that are doing healthcare a different way in the form, and usually it's their entrepreneurs, they're kind of like charting a new course, trailblazers, doing healthcare a different way. And direct care is the, my favorite example of that. Like they're just, they're loving life. If you have ever interacted. And when I say direct care, I mean like patient pays doctor and care is provided. Like there's a simple direct relationship with the patient and the healthcare provider. And we've cut out all that mess. Like the system I was just, you know, describing, like we kind of like sidestep all of that and, and I think that's part of the reason it's such a good solution. But if you interact with people that are running businesses in that model, they're typically, they, they, they love talking about, it. they won't shut up about it. I mean, they're, cause they're so excited about it and burnout is not on their radar. They have stress, but it's yeah. the normal stresses of, and it's in things that they can solve, which is completely different. Like when you're stressed out, in a system that you know you can't solve the problem, you have no control over it, that's depressing. Like that turns into depression. But when you're stressed out in a in a business where you, you have the ability to make decisions that actually get implemented, that's that's amazing. Yeah, man. The, I, like, I don't know why, but my head goes to this idea of being like, trapped somewhere tortured the stress of being trapped somewhere and tortured versus like being on like an epic journey that you know is hard but it's it's going somewhere cool right like running yes. a marathon or like climbing a mountain or something like that right like it's very different pain <laughs> very uh, different yeah yeah that makes sense man so all right so then tell me a little bit more about this right so when i hear entrepreneurship my my uneducated brain is okay private practice, right? That's, that's, that's a form of entrepreneurship, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and then, but, but there's another, you're saying that there's another kind of level, right? Like, are there, are there a couple of different levels? Is, is, is it stratified between 
you know, once you leave the system and go open up your own office, but you're still in the system, you're a little bit happier, but then the next level is to then cut the system out and go. Is that, is that, is that part of it? There's all kinds of variations and you can, you know, we could probably spend hours like talking about the different models. Um, mm -hmm. but like, I think the, the options are unlimited. That's the cool thing about entrepreneurship is you can create whatever you want. I mean, if you're deciding to kind of chart a new course, like you can design whatever you want. You can also go work for, you know, an entrepreneur in their practice. Also, that's another option. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. It's not for everybody. You can find people that are charting a course in solving the problem. That's such a nice place to be when you're working with somebody that is vested in solving the problems instead of just being like, yeah, 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 I hear you. I hear you. We're not doing anything. It, it's, it's a nice place to be working. And then, so there's options to work for entrepreneurs. There's options. And so the most pure form in my view of this is where, like I described earlier, like direct care, I feel like that's the most pure form of providing healthcare. And it's not, I know there's limitations to it. Like you can't, not everybody can afford to pay a physician and then certain types of healthcare are so costly and can cause problems in that system. But for the vast majority of like your typical, like primary care is the easiest most simple example, like primary care, you're going to have visits and it can, it, it, it's almost like the way it used to be done back in the day when you had, you know, your local physician that, you walked in and you had a visit and then you paid them. I mean, it was not that complicated and it was much more pure healthcare. That's a really good distinction, man. Right. Like this idea that it's, I would imagine that if I'm listening to this right now and I'm being told you got to go start your own business, it's pretty daunting, but there is a midway step. There is this idea of like, go work for someone that started their own, that, that started their own business. Mm -hmm. Right. And like the difference of in the corporate world that I've been in, right, I've experienced it pretty night and day in the sense that at one point I was working for a founder-led construction company that was started ground up by this guy that's a pillar of the community, really cared about everything that he did. Then he got acquired. And as he phased out and the big corporation phased in, people just started mailing it in, right? Like it was just obvious that mm -hmm. all of a sudden we were shackled. No longer could we bring something innovative and have the top person be like, yep, we'll run with it kind of thing. Very, very different experience, man. Tell me, tell me a little bit about, we talked a little bit about why direct care is best for the physician, right? This, this idea of autonomy, why is it best for the, would it also be best for the patient? Yeah, for sure. No, no doubt. As a patient, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys, a lot of you guys listening are physicians, but uh, you know, hopefully you have been the patient too, and you've been to the primary care office and you have the wait times. And then there's, you know, you get 10 minute visits and you know, they're kind of rushed and it's not, I, I see the other side of the coin. So I like understand that it's not the, primary care provider that's causing the problems necessarily. So I have a little bit more sympathy for them, but like it is a incredibly frustrating experience as a patient to go wait in the waiting room for 45 minutes and then see the physician for 10 minutes. And then they just either refer you to specialists or something, you know, they're like, go get this test. 
or they're like, oh, you're fine. Like, why are you here? Or there's not a lot of like, tell me how you're feeling. Like, let's talk about, and there's really no relationship for sure. Like <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of empathy from coming from them because the time has gotten so crunched. And so in this model, it basically, you can only serve so many people. So the typical primary care physician has, you know, thousands of patients. Whereas in, in this model, you can get it to a more manageable number and say it's a few hundred and that setup, you can go back to the basics and spend the time and cut the wait times and, and all the things that patients want. <laughs> sounds like a, sounds like a win-win. So, so then what do you think, is this, is this something that you are, you're just seeing the sample size out there? Do you get the sense that physicians understand this and wish they could do something different, but something's holding them back or, you know, like, are you coming up with this? Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of fear around making a change. There's, there's like fear around going to get the grain. It's like, this is what everybody's told me is the way it's going to be and how it always has been and how it's going to be in the future. Like everybody's like telling you that over and over. So it's like, I can't, I can't even imagine like going to do something completely different. People are going to be like, that's not going to work. Like there's all kinds of this, you know, fear going on. And then on top of that, there's all kinds of like fear around your finances. Like it's a big financial risk because that your job pays your bills. And, you know, so th there's all this pressure, you know, to, you're taking a risk and it can be potentially costly. There's also a lot of like financial challenges in, as we get into finances, like around like getting, you know, lifestyle creep creeping up to where your income is fully accounted for and you don't have any wiggle room to take the risks. And so you feel kind of like stuck or trapped in a job that you have to work in to pay the bills. And so that's kind of adds its own set of like baggage or like, it's kind of like the golden handcuffs mm -hmm. from, you know, being handcuffed to your job because of your lifestyle. And so there's a lot of, a lot of that, that is a big, big challenge that I think paralyzes most people. Okay. Let's talk through those, right? So you have, you definitely have <laughs> folks in your, in your network, in your service, you know, that, that have done this. What have you mm -hmm. seen? Let's start, let's start with the first one, right? the the idea of going against the grain what do you what do you see in common with those folks how how were they able to like just rally to to have that self-confidence to you know tell tell their parents that yeah i've worked this hard to be a doctor but now i want to be a doctor like this yeah and their parents are like what <laughs> yeah i mean I, I you know i'm echoing with this as an yeah. entrepreneur myself right like i'm, I'm getting yeah. a lot out of it yeah yeah i mean it takes you know potentially it takes some personality type where you're kind of like a trailblazer yeah, the early stage people that do this are going to have to be trailblazers. Like, I don't think this is for everyone. And so I think the first and maybe we've already already gotten to that point where the trailblazers have kind of like blazed the trail because there's enough people doing it. <laughs> but to be the first guy that does it when everybody's like, you're crazy, you have to have like <laughs> screw loose a little bit like, yeah, you got to be a risk taker. Irrational confidence, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not for everybody, but I think, I really think we're past that because there's a lot of like examples and models and things, you know, you can, it's not to the point where it's like a ridiculous risk yeah. anymore. So 
I think it's involves like education is part of it. Like educating yourself around like what it could look like your community, like who you associate with, you're going to be the average of your five best friends. So if you're hanging out with a bunch of like negative Nancy's that work a hundred hours a week, like that's what you are. Yeah. So change your friends. If you want to change, you know, as, yeah. as harsh as that sounds. Um, but, but you are. So community, I think is important. Educating yourself is important. And then, you know, investing in yourself is always important. Like just sometimes it's just a matter of like, you know, doing some, you know, self work on, you know, maybe it's even like therapy or coaching or, or those sorts of things like to, cause a, you know, a business coach, that's, that's kind of a new concept in, in the physician circles, but like a physician coach or a life coach, they're fantastic. Like they can pump you up. Like I've worked with many coaches and a good coach will like pump you up and get you like excited and you can run through a brick wall, you know, yeah. Yeah. and you can hire people that will, you know, help you through those challenges. I love it, man. I love, I love the fact that that seems, it feels like a lot of that is stuff that you can really help with, with this podcast, right? This idea, like the education, how do we get other primary care, not primary care, direct care physicians on this, on this show to like talk about the blueprint, right? Like talk about the ways that they did it. Mm -hmm. How do we, how do we surround the listener or friend that's listening right now, right? Like if, yeah, it's a little harsh to change friends, but I, I, I found that when I was making my jump into entrepreneurship or what I'm doing, just having the right message in my ear, right? Like, cause I was, I was listening to like a lot of Gary Vee kind of thing. And just like, if you hear it all the time, I think cognitive bias is a really powerful tool. So like the more you're exposed to the message and the fact that this is real and it exists, the more you're bound to believe it mm-hmm. can really be helped through this podcast. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the, you know, the, the community piece and the access to the, the access to coaches and resources, I think is something that you can really help facilitate. So that seems, that seems pretty approachable. The second part of it, the financial kind of like risk side of it, the, the replacing your income risk yeah. side of it. Talk to me about that. Yeah, that's scary. And, you know, you, you gotta pay the bills and take a risk and make a jump. And especially if you're starting, if you're like dropping your career in the healthcare system and you're completely starting something brand new, which is one way to do it. And that's like the hardcore way to do it. That's super scary. And you just have to, you know, kind of acknowledge the fear and lean into it. I don't think it's a bad fear. It's just money is a tool. And if you, I think part of the reason we get so hung up on the fear around the money is because we've gotten into this cultural, you know, pull of like money is the end goal. Like money makes me happy. Money does not make you happy. Money, all money is, is a tool. And it ideally you're using money to to help live a better life. And so when you're working in a system that's terrible, um, And the only reason is for the money. Like, I don't think it's worth it. Like it's not because money doesn't bring happiness. And so it's just going to be like a miserable life and you're going to have money and the money doesn't bring happiness. So like we got a problem. I think when you can realize that and get this kind of acknowledge the concept that money is more of a tool to follow your values and the values are what we're after. Like we're after like 
the good life and working in a job or creating something that you love or enjoy the value of that is like priceless it's like yeah. good life and the money will work itself out like we don't we need to like not be so fearful about the money sounds like you have a lot of these conversations <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds that sounds very much mindset wise right like mindset wise kind of like crossing that chasm of you know, going internal instead of external for satisfactions and, 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 and really understanding, you know, when I, when I started getting to know your team and like understanding how you all go really hard at values before setting up any kind of financial plan for anybody that feels like really, really in line with everything that you've told me about what works for people. Is there other, are there other ways? Is it, is it also a budgeting and discipline thing that, that you have found tools that help for people and things like that? Yeah, I mean, values are important and money is a tool and you got to lean into your values. But you also have to do the numbers too. Like you can't be all in on values, right? Yeah. Just like you can't be all in on numbers only. You got to do both. And so there's, of course, like all kinds of responsible, you know, effective ways to kind of logically go about taking that risk. And, you know, it starts by like, living within your means first of all like don't let your lifestyle creep up that's yet another reason not to let your lifestyle creep way up to what you're going to make what you're making in practice ideally you have lots of margin built into your finances and margin is basically just money that's not you know automatically spent it's like flexible money so like having margin in your finances and the higher the percentage that is the better is huge for this kind of thing because it gives you like options and having, you know, debt under control, ideally it's paid off and having control over your budget. Like budgeting is not like, nope, most people don't like love the idea of budgeting, but a budgeting can be pretty motivational when you see it as a tool to think of it like this. If, if, what if budgeting could help you to get out of the profession you you despise like the healthcare system is a train train wreck and you despise it like what if the budget could help you be what was the source of of getting you out of that system and into another thing and it can be really especially if you're fearful about the money and it's, especially if you're you know your lifestyle has creeped up you can use the budget the budget is the tool to to kind of like zero in on that and say okay what do we need to cut like what do i need to what do i need to trim my lifestyle to down to so that I can make this thing work. And, and then really at the end of the day, it comes down to a business plan or, you know, on the, on the logic side, on the, on the number side, you, you know, you can chart out your business plan and um, map out like, Hey, you know, I'm going to have financing. I'm going to have cash. I'm going to have whatever so that I can make this thing roll for at least a couple of years and get it to a point where it can work. And like, and then that's plenty of time to get this thing going. So it's not, that part is very, logical numbers oriented and i have complete confidence in everybody listening like that's that's very doable and uh i'm not going to say easy but it's it's relatively simple the typically the challenge is like the emotional side yeah. and the fear of taking the risk yeah yeah it's funny man as you're as you're describing this whole thing i don't know why my head goes into seeing a physician like as like a like a warrior fighting through this like system and it's like 
the budget is the shield and the business plan is the sword, right? Like you're, (laughs) you're like protecting yourself from the lifestyle creep with the budget. And you're using this like plan that you help people with to like, to fight through and get to where exactly where you got to be. What about the, what about the idea of, you know, what of your, the, the physicians in your network that have already, that, that have taken this leap, any kind of like insights from them of, I, I would assume that as a physician starting a business, you're probably going to do pretty well with an SBA loan or like financing and things like that, that can kind of like take a little bit of fear away from that, away from that, or, or am I, or am I off there? Yeah. I mean, financing as a physician, you, a, you are a very low risk loan. Like yeah. lenders w- definitely discriminate by profession. <laughs> like they're, you know, the, they're going to understand your financial, they want to know your financial potential and they know if they're like, this, this person is a physician trained, they're going to be more favorable towards loaning money. That's why the doctor loan, physician loan, mortgage is a big thing is like lenders are like, sure, you're every physician pays it back. It's no problem. Yeah. And so as a physician, it's generally easier to get to, to get loans. Now, student loans are a big stressor for physicians because they are, you know, oftentimes early in practice, they already have these additional loans that most people don't have. And so the good news about student loans is they are, you know, income-based payments. So there's a lot of flexibility on those. I mean, ideally you have them paid off. That'd be great. But I don't think you have to have your student loans paid off to be doing something like entrepreneurship. Interesting. And I think that's a misconception. A lot of people say you got to be, you got to at least pay off the student loans and then maybe we'll talk about it. But like, no, that's takes too long. Like, let's get this thing going. If you really believe, I mean, if it's, if it's something you have a passion for, like the student loans don't have to hold you back. Like you can look at dentists. Dentists are a great example of that. Like dentists are very entrepreneurial. That's just kind of built into that profession. Most dentists own their practices and run them. And they also have student loans and they, you know, work through it and they're okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, it makes sense that as a physician, you are a low risk loan. Cause I would assume if I'm lending somebody money, I'm like, well, he's going to go take a swing at entrepreneurship, but I'm pretty sure if they get into too much trouble, they can just go back to being a doctor and make a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's, it. that's an interesting point about the dentist, man. Cause I, I, I feel like the dentists are like a one-to-one example of, you know, there isn't this giant industrial insurance system built up around them or like a big, you know, healthcare systems that are telling them what to do. So they're, and, but they have very similar loans and they got to go fight through it and go direct to consumer, which is another macro business trend that we're basically just talking about right now. Right. Why, why shouldn't healthcare go direct to consumer and cut out the middleman? Just like, just like every other profession, right. It's not like, it's not that doctors aren't smart enough to do that. Right. Like they're some of the smartest people out there. Yeah. It's a good move. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, man. What about, what about the idea of, what about that halfway step that we talked about, man? This idea of like, maybe you can just go work for another direct care physician. Mm-hmm. Do you find that the clients in your network are, are hiring? I mean, is it, what does that look like? What is, what is going and get a job, getting a job at a direct care physician? Is there nuance to that? Do you have to bring patients to the table with you? Is there something else to think about there? I think there are plenty of jobs in that space i don't know if there's there's not as many as the traditional model like Mm -hmm. obviously because the traditional model is so big there's all kinds of jobs for in the traditional model but there are plenty of jobs 
in this like new model of doing healthcare. In fact, I was just speaking with clients I work with like yesterday or the day before, and they just hired a new physician in their, in their direct model. And so they're, and you just have to go and find them though. Like it's yeah. not, it's not going to come find you. You got to go get out and look for it. And particularly like that specific type of position. And, but they're out there. You might have to move even if, especially if you want to go work for somebody, a lot of people are like, well, you know, there's only so much demand for it. And I don't think there's enough demand to make it really work. In my experience, the people I work with are all maxed out, like in the direct primary care, like they're, they're wait list. They're like, there's plenty of people that want, want it. And I think, I do not think that there, I think there's a shortage of physicians in that space too. And yeah. it's developed really quickly as a subset because, because patients are frustrated too. They're like, I, 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 you know, I'm in that same boat. I'm like, I, I need, I would do not want to go to a traditional primary care physician really ever again. No, neither do we, by the way. Like we've, 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 we no longer go to traditional <laughs> physicians either. Right. Like, cause we've learned the hard way. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, man. I think about when you say that, I think about first thing, you know, the, the entrepreneur in me is like opportunity. If you like start the job board for this thing and, or the referral network for like, who's got overlap, you have this many patients, there's a market right here in Louisville or in Boston or whatever yep. of this many overlaps. That sounds like an interesting. Yeah. There's um, all kinds of, that's the entrepreneurial mind going in you like pablo's yeah. a natural entrepreneur and you know i'm sure some of you listening are but like that's the cool thing about it is you you don't have to do like a practice like this you could be a service provider for them like i i predict i know of a physician that is doing that like she's doing recruiting for direct care practices interesting and, and like connecting and so that's like kind of her side hustle now and and she's also a direct care physician herself so there's, there's all these industries that are going to kind of become new or, you know, they're going to kind of yeah. be created over time to support the, the new industry or the new model of healthcare, I think. It, it, in my world, we call that new categories, create new categories, right? That's exactly right. That's it. The other thing that it makes me think of is I have to assume that the macro trend of like digital health, right? Like telehealth and, and, and technology enabling this stuff is going to make this easier and easier as time goes on for the direct care physician. And, you know, like there's going to mm -hmm. be whatever, whatever you have to like trudge through right now in back office right now, there's going to be a technology that solves for that. Right. So like getting in early, right. Like you're not a, you're not exactly a trailblazer right now because people have done it. The person with a screw loose has already gone and you can follow that and you can follow that roadmap, but you can get in early enough to just like really understand the game. So while the ecosystem develops around that, it, it's going to become more and more profitable and more and more doable, right? Like somebody's mm -hmm. going to figure out the insurance program for it, right? Like the group purchase yeah. discount of something like that. That's going to, that's going to yeah. create more market. Right. Right. And yeah, they'll, they'll figure out solutions. We don't even know exist right now. I saw a stat on LinkedIn the other day, somebody posted about the largest healthcare system in the United States. I can't even remember which one it was, but they, they, they shared the total profit that they had last year for the hospital system. And this is like the epitome of the system we're talking about. Uh, and it was 233,333 per physician of mm -hmm. profit. 
that they had last year. So the point of the thing was like, basically like, you know, physicians, like, <laughs> that's the money you're leaving on the table. That's the money that they're making off you in profit. And that's part of like the fat, like, and that's just going to shareholders, yeah. you know, to fatten their pot. But it's like, and that, that's just one slice of the fat. Like there's a lot of fat in the healthcare. So like insurance is, oh, there's so much. That's really interesting. That's, that's a really, really interesting conversation, right? Like the fat in the system, this idea mm -hmm. that a, a system is making $233,000 per physician. So like taking, taking a lump off of that and what that means to. Who's a, paying that? Yeah. Yeah. Who's in at the end of the day, who is paying that? That's a, that's a valid question. Yeah. Like, yeah, where does that money come from? Yeah. And people, because people are always like, oh, you know, we got to look out for the patients. And the reason we have the system is so that everybody can have health care. And that, and that makes sense. But like, who is paying that cost at the end of the day? It's the people of the, of the country. Like, we're all, we're all in this together. Like, we're all paying that yeah. cost. And it, that's why our cost is so high is because we're paying for all this yeah. fat that's built into it. It's like, if we could only like cut out some of this stuff, it would be so much for, better for everybody. That's why I love this model is it goes back to the pure model of just like doctor patient. This has been more fun than I anticipated, right? Like I, <laughs> I like, I like how we ended up in this like future pacing of like where it's all going. Cause my eyes light up just as an observer of like, how can I invest in companies that are betting on this trend? How can I, you know, like what is like, like this feels like a, like a giant market opportunity for physicians, for anybody that's like moving into the space and solving these problems around mm -hmm. it, which are people that physicians know, right? Like maybe you're a physician and your wife is an entrepreneur or you're a physician and your husband's an entrepreneur. It's like, go start a service around this so that they can build this up so that you can move into this easily. It, mm -hmm. it just feels like a giant opportunity that you're, that you're starting to evangelize and I'm really pumped yeah. to see where it goes. And, it, and it's, so, it's so, so much more motivational to work on that yeah. challenge than to work in the system that gives you no autonomy. Like it's yeah. completely different. Can you imagine getting paid to be actually solving the problem? Like that's, that's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun, man. Anything else, man? I think the, the biggest thing, I don't want everyone to think like, I'm trying to say like, go start a business tomorrow necessarily. I mean, it would be cool if some of you did, but I think what, I think this is a very valid, a very like real trend and a real solution to the, the problem that we have. But I think what I would suggest and what I would throw out to you guys is just start to like learn about it at, for starters, like dip your toe in the water of understanding what what it is or what we're talking about as a potential solution i think that's a good starting point i love it i'm definitely i know that my reticular activator is going to hit and now i'm going to start seeing this thing everywhere right so i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm definitely going to learn about it just as an entrepreneur man this is yeah. awesome man send us away all right appreciate it pablo you've been listening to finance for physicians to make sure that you never miss an episode subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast player on this show, we believe that when you prioritize your finances, you take better care of yourself, have more fulfilling relationships with your families, and most importantly, provide higher quality care for your patients. If you feel this way too, and wanna to learn more, then make sure to join our community. Follow the Finance for Physicians Facebook group 
for bonus content and sneak peeks on next week's episode. Thanks for listening.